you guys engineered this. How, what's all involved? <laughs> well, I mean, we start with the battery source, obviously an energy source, and especially the way battery technology has come to us even in the last, I mean, 36 months. Yeah. It's been crazy. We've, we've switched over uh, energy storage modules twice in the last you know 24 months uh, because the technology is moving so quickly. So we end up with a battery pack that's you know about the half the size of a Tesla Model S mm -hmm. uh, as a reference point. Uh, it gives us a full day of runtime uh, okay. out of that that battery pack. Um, charge it off of you know shore power. Uh, we've got some solar, but the energy density we're talking about is pretty high, so it would be difficult for that. Fortunately, where we're at in the Pacific Northwest, our carbon footprint is super low. It's less than 5% of our energy profile. So very carbon neutral if we charge it from the shop. Um, and uh, that's good. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's people want to hear that. They want to see, you know, well, what's my carbon impact by hiring you to do this mm -hmm. and um, and all the sustainable impacts uh, or, you know, benefits that I have by deploying this application. That's great. Yep. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders, climate champions, and sustainability professionals who are making an impact in their businesses today. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Hey, have you noticed it's harder and harder these days to, uh, you know, earn your continuing education units or those certification maintenance points to maintain your industry credential? Also, are you tired of attending online conferences and not really getting what you expected out of it? Well, look no further. Go to www.environmentaltransformationpodcast.com and sign up to watch one of my episodes and earn one CEU for only $10 per episode. Have fun watching any of the episodes on my listening platform. Take a five-question quiz at the completion of the video and receive a certificate of listening to earn one CEU for your time. More importantly, you get to choose which topic you want to listen to. And the best part, how can you beat $10 for a CEU? Also, you'll be able to stay up on industry trends, regulatory updates, and the hot topics of the day like ESG, PFAS, circular economy, climate change, and so much more. Where else can you earn one CEU while you're working out or taking your lunch break? I can't think of a better way to meet your CEU requirements. So what are you waiting for? Go to www.environmentaltransformationpodcast.com and start earning yours today. All right, welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Grady. Today's guest is Jeff McComb and... Jason Crisp, and they're from Lisi Global, and we're here to talk about their new product uh, that they're working with, and uh, let's get into it, guys. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah. thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sean. You bet. You bet. Well, look, I mean, we came across each other, I think, unpromptedly, but uh, I think you guys were looking to maybe uh, get some exposure in the market about your product. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you to the, let's let the listeners know a little bit about your product, and tell us a little bit about, you know, how you guys started this this business. Um, well, uh, basically, what we've developed is a technology that uses a non-chemical application of energy directly to the soil uh, to manage soil-borne pests and pathogens. So uh, typically, these are addressed through a, a synthetic chemistry, um, very broad spectrum, um, uh, large effect chemical profiles that you know disinfect the soil to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we 
target a specific organism, find weaknesses in its physiology and anatomy, and uh, and use our profile to affect those processes and control the pest. Um, so you're you, so you're basically electrocuting the bugs. That's it, I mean we'll we'll go ahead and go with that. <laughs> it's a slightly more sophisticated uh, approach. We, make, um, we do our best to make it sound more sophisticated than that. Anyway. <laughs> well, Shocking the crap out of them. Yeah, if you look at electrocution, it's really a thermal injury. Injury. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as the, the, the humans go. Um, so you know, we were a little bit more uh, specifically targeted than that, but yeah, uh, it's it's electricity to uh, to manage soil pests. I love it. I love it. And then, uh, so how'd you guys get into this, uh, this product or, you know, this, uh, business, uh, give us a little bit of background about your, your history before you started Lisi Global. Yeah. Uh, so we, we both have, a uh, different career paths. Um, I've been in, in, uh, electrical engineer by training, but in, in clinical and biomedical engineering, my entire career in healthcare settings, um, we co-own a medical imaging company. We work with high energy electronics and x-ray um, and, uh, you know, cell service support, maintain that equipment, really similar energy profile, very high energy density, high, high energy uh, electronics. Um, uh, Jeff comes out of a motorsports background, so a lot of mechanical um, and, and, and logistics uh, in, in that industry. Uh, we met at the Broadport Brew Pub. Uh, in Indianapolis. No, um, Broad Ripple Brew Pub. There you go. Yes, Shout yeah, out to Broad Ripple. Shout out to the homies. <laughs> That's um, right. And, and realized that we had a lot in common and started riding mountain bikes and obviously drinking beer and, and carrying on. Um, mm -hmm. Then brought Jeff into the imaging company um, a few years back. And uh, this was already sort of in process. So the uh, original kind of origin story, uh, really quickly, Dr. Katerini Riga is an invertebrate zoologist. She's our third co-founder. Uh -huh. um, she was doing nerve potential studies with a, a plant parasitic nematode, very small microscopic nematode. She was trying to collect data uh, with this experiment. Every time she turned the equipment on, the nematode died. Um, she asked for my help. I found out that it was putting a very small bias voltage across the nematode, really, really small amounts of energy and killing the, the, the pest. And I thought that if it could do that that easily, why aren't we doing this as a mitigation strategy? Uh, and that kind of began the whole thing. We really quickly did the math and realized why nobody had done it as a mitigation strategy, um, because to control that energy profile, the technology didn't really exist in a commercial level. So I see um, for the last 10 years, 10 years. Yeah. yeah, we've been uh, just ramping this thing up, um, you know, keeping the science very consistent and just running a thread through as we scale it. And uh, now we're at a commercially viable product that we're deploying into the field. Wow. OK, so. So we're talking about direct energy technology, DTE, right? And, you know, how does it work? DTS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, DES. DES. Yep. DES. Um, basically, we take, a, yeah, we take energy from a, um, any source. Uh, right now, we're currently using batteries. Okay. Um, and we stack that energy up in a very, very fast uh, energy storage medium. We switch it at a very specific profile and deliver that directly to the soil. Mm -hmm. um, disrupts neurological targets, does cellular electroporation, um, you know, depends on what, what our target is, what the pest is that we're going after, whether it's a fungal pathogen or an actual animal. Okay. Um, I was kind of one of my next question, like what are the problems it can solve and what type of targets that are you trying to, you know, knock out? Yeah. Um, well, what's the market space? Man, it's pretty much everything. Um, pretty much every ag industry on the planet um, has some level of uh, infestation that needs control. 
Mm -hmm. um, and more often than not, there isn't a chemistry available to that's effective, uh, that's available to them. So uh, nematodes in particular, uh, when you get into um, places where there have been, you know, thousands of years of intensive agriculture, you get into Europe or Africa, South America, those places where uh, pest pressures are just in, intense. Uh, so intense, in fact, that when you 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 put a plant in the ground, the nematodes will uh, come out of dormancy. They'll eat the roots of the plant and kill it. Um, just hmm. simply can't uh, uh, produce a crop. So, um, I mean, that was kind of the the where we started was around that nematode problem. Obviously, with a nematologist kind of leading the charge, that was a lot of our focus. Um, but what we've learned as we've developed this and begun to deploy it is that nematodes are a big issue, but there are a lot of other issues out there. Um, there there's other other uh, organisms that are also pests that are attacking, uh, you know, either turf or other agricultural, uh, you know, plants exactly. that are making it very difficult to treat, right? Exactly. And so what we're doing now is is keeping that focus on the nematodes, but also shifting our attention to you know, whether it's grubs or crickets, um, one of the things, you know, obviously the goal for us right now is to deploy and generate revenue, learn what we can in golf turf. That's the direct turf branding that you see here. Mm -hmm. um, but with an eye toward uh, agriculture in general. And so we cut our teeth in turf where the infrastructure is not as in, you know, we're not having to navigate infrastructure. It's a, you know, it's a flat open field, so to speak. Um, we could come in, uh, dial in that energy profile that's effective for nematodes, and then we find that that energy profile fine-tuned can, can target those other insects, those other organisms that are harmful to not just golf turf, but also other areas of, uh, of agriculture. Well, there's got to be like there's a lot of really great applications, it sounds like, with this technology um, and, and, you know, agricultural, you know, and food security seems like one of the biggest opportunities uh to help solve some you know problems you know in that space i mean is the is the product uh being kind of uh focused like you mentioned you're going to get to agriculture but right now you're doing a lot of proving proving it out on and on more turf right now is that the let's take the learnings from the turf and then try to figure out better application strategies for the agriculture is that how you guys are approaching or is it just like either way you know either either problem I, I'm go, we're going after you know so from a from an engineering standpoint in terms of how you get the energy into the soil golf turf presents very few uh, challenges compared to you know other you know row crops vegetables whatever you have what, what have you so from this simple place where we're starting where uh -huh. it's you know Jason engineering the electronics I'm designing and building uh, delivery apparatus um, we can do that with our knowledge and background, our level of engineering and expertise. Um, for golf turf, that's a, a relatively easy, I don't want to make it sound too simple, because there's a lot of nuance in there as well. But um, we've managed to make it so that we can deliver the energy without a lot of surface disruption, so we don't affect playability of the greens. Um, and we can take the, the technology from the green to the fairway and, and pretty much apply it anywhere on the golf course where they've got an issue. So with that, we can dial in that elect, the, elect, the electrical profile. And then hopefully, and our goal is, we partner with an engineering, uh, a, a larger firm, whether it's a Toro or a John Deere, something along those lines, and they take that engineering to the next level. 
gotcha. apply what they know and how that they can um, apply that, you know, use it. Yeah. Use it to, you know, design a better application process, right. To, to basically commercialize it in a sense. Sounds like, right. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. And also there's something to not lose sight of is that even in turf we're we've got the ability to displace, um, you know, millions of dollars of chemistry that they're currently trying to use to address this. Well, it, I, it doesn't it, have to great, go on the ground. Right? Great, great, great point. Now you get into the environmental benefits mm-hmm. of this, uh, this technology. And, and really that was what really, uh, piqued my interest to be honest with you guys, when I saw, uh, what you guys are doing, uh, from a sustainability perspective, to me, this is probably, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest drivers. And I mean, it is of course to, you know, address the pest issue, but oh my gosh, the sustainability benefits of using this technology over, you know, conventional practices uh, by, you know, chemical treatment, uh, water usage, all those other things. I mean, that to me is the bigger payoff at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And it's every cropping system, right? I mean, we're starting in turf because it's a very high value, very small footprint crop with tons of inputs. You know, they're spending thousands of dollars a year in chemistry uh, per green. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, don't lick your golf ball. Uh, you know, wash your hands before you eat your sandwich. I'm just throwing that out there to your listeners. Yeah. Don't do that. It's, it's not a great idea. Yeah. Um, because that chemistry, by definition, if it's effective, it's toxic. Right. Otherwise, there's no. Ethics. Yeah. No. Biological interaction. Absolutely. And, now, um, have you guys had any conversations with like the USGA and the Green Corps section? Uh, because I had an interview with uh, their one of their lead guys, uh, Cole Thompson, who, who's over there. And, you know, that is one of their big tenants uh, and, and directives or, you know, uh, out, I guess, priorities with helping golf courses manage their business more sustainably. Mm-hmm. And they've got some digital technology that they use. One's called their Deacon Deacon tool. It's like a digital imaging type GPS type, you know, tool. So it goes out and maps the golf course, maps the the players, uh, you know, activity on the course and and they can understand a better, you know, a better way or should I say they can understand like where golf golfers are not going on the course right mm-hmm. and they don't they can take out some of the maintenance and management of oh, that uh you know uh, operation because well golfers don't even go into this bunker or this part of the course that you're actually maintaining and spending uh you know fertilizer and chemistries on you know and watering and stuff and you can take those out of play uh or mm-hmm. stop man- man- managing them and then I'm thinking, wow, this tool could also be an augmentation of the approach to of their sustainability practice. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's not use chemistries. Let's use, you know, DES. Yeah. Then they're aware of what we're doing. And I think especially in the industry in general, uh, everybody's just waiting for us to deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're in uh, in a little less than a month. We'll be in South Florida uh, because of various reasons, uh, environmental you know, the climate is very conducive to these problems down there. Um, and so they have the biggest pest pressure that we can address in that part of the country. And uh, and they're just waiting for us. I mean, there's a queue of golf courses that are, are waiting for our services. And um, and the, the 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 players in the industry are aware of what we're doing, and especially this the ones that have that sustainability kind of um, uh, mantra. Yeah, like like what you mentioned, um, they're aware of us. We've had conversations. They they're supportive. But, you know, I mean, we're just rolling out. So they're right. You, um, you got to give us a little time to kind of, you know, start 
deploying and, and, and showing the, 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 the benefits and, and, and the results, right? I mean, yeah, it's really that. And we've, we've partnered with, um, you know, the preeminent um, uh, researcher in turf uh, in South Florida. He's been aware of us for five years, very big supporter, actually. Um, and getting ready to, to collect data for a peer-reviewed publication because the way our business model works, um, you know, we start with the science and the engineering, and uh, and then we use that to get us, uh, you know, adoption in the actual cropping industry. So we go through the researchers. We've got a very strong relationship um, with the USDA. They've done our peer-reviewed publication that you guys can link to. Um, you know, they did all the science on that. We showed up, we treated, we left. So it's all very independently done and very robust in the science. And, um, you know, that's kind of how we've had to do it. When you create something from whole cloth that hasn't existed before, we don't have any publications we can go back yeah. and look at. For, yeah, for you, need to, you so. need to kind of build up a bit of a library, right? Of Absolutely. some 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 uh, articles and some- Hundreds uh, and hundreds and hundreds of experiments over the last eight years. Uh, I can't yeah. even tell you. Um, right. Um, and, and, but I mean, that's how you do it. You start off with the raw right. science and you work your way up, so. Right. No, I mean, this is great. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about the technologies that are, you know, kind of used in, in with this whole product. I mean, are we talking GPS or is there solar? I mean, they've got battery. Well, I mean, how are you guys, you know, getting in the field with us and you guys engineered this? How, what's all involved? <laughs> well, I mean, we start with the battery source, obviously an energy source, and especially the way battery technology has come to us, even in the last, I mean, 36 months, yeah. it's been crazy. We've We've switched over uh, energy storage modules twice in the last, you know, 24 months uh, because the technology is moving so quickly. So we end up with a battery pack that's, you know, about the half the size of a Tesla Model S mm -hmm. um, as a reference point. Uh, gives us a full day of runtime uh, okay. out of that that battery pack. Um, charge it off of, you know, shore power. Uh, we've got some solar, but the energy density we're talking about is pretty high, so it would be difficult for that. Fortunately, where we're at in the Pacific Northwest, our carbon footprint is super low. It's less than 5% of our energy profile. So very carbon neutral if we charge it from the shop. Um, and that's uh, good. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's people want to hear that. They want to see, you know, well, what's my carbon impact by hiring you to do this mm -hmm. and um, and all the sustainable impacts uh, or, you know, benefits that I have by deploying this application. That's great. Yeah, well, and other than, you know, the obvious benefits, we actually have done some measurements and show that we do fix a little bit of carbon in the soil. It's it's not much to be, uh, you know, to really tout as one of our frontline, um, you know, reasons. But yeah, it, I mean, the way it does interact with the soil chemistry, we do end up fixing a little bit of carbon. Um, but we just try and source the energy as cleanly as possible. We use it very, very efficiently because it's a very short path. Mm -hmm. So there's very few losses. Um, the energy is applied directly to the soil. So the mode of action is very, very direct with the energy profile. It makes it very efficient. Um, you know, of our cost of goods sold to deliver this treatment, the actual electricity is way down the list mm -hmm. in, the, in the cost side. So, so very, very little amount of electricity. This episode is sponsored by PACE, people advancing science to protect our environment and improve our health. PACE provides an unmatched depth and breadth of testing and analytical capabilities along with professional services for your in-house lab needs. They have the expertise, capacity, and delivery infrastructure to provide the certified results you require when and where you need them. With over 40 years of innovation, more than 500 certifications and accreditations, PACE is serving customers through over 100 lab and service center locations with mobile lab, on-site, and emergency response service options available. 
At Pace, they honor their commitments so you can honor yours. The next time you are presented with an environmental testing and analytical needs, turn to Pace. To learn more, go to www.pacelabs.com. That's www.pacelabs.com. So you've got a you've got a you've got a, like a, a a device that rolls across the the surface of the soil. Is that driven remotely? Is that driven you know manually? Or how are you guys doing that? Uh, we can do it any in a variety of ways. Right now, we have a robot tractor, so it's okay. uh, um, all electric. It does have a solar panel on it that will sustain it throughout the day. Um, but it's it's a GPS and has autonomous and semi-autonomous navigation modes. Uh, you can also drive it manually. Um, it's very, very efficient and is very powerful um, for the size. Um, but you can hook it to a traditional tractor. It's all very, it's self-contained. So the batteries, all the electronics, the delivery apparatus is all one mm -hmm. kind of box, one apparatus. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you can connect it to a, a virtually any vehicle that it's normally used for farming. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just move it across. What we try and do too is, is we piggyback onto cultural practices that the cropping system is already using. So for turf, they do these slit yeah. aerations on yeah. um, uh, greens. And, and, and so you, I'm sure uh, your listeners have seen, you know, if they play golf, when they aerate, you can tell on the green. So we've just taken an aeration process that they normally use and piggyback our technology on top of it. Use that as an opportunity to get the energy into the soil. And, and uh, that way, the cultural practices for the end user are the same. Um, it makes an adaptation or a adoption of the technology much easier when they yeah. see something that, that they're familiar with. Yeah, because they're not they're they're thinking, hey, is this going to disrupt or you know damage my green or my fairway or something like that? And you're like, no, look, it's it's Just like it's barely noticeable, and and it you can do it at the same time you're doing your aeration, and you won't even actually know we we're here, right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, and it's the same thing with any cropping system. We work with small berry fruit growers when they do the bed formation. It's yeah. a really great opportunity there to to apply energy profile across that bed former and, and use that as your opportunity to mitigate the pests. Or with row crops, I mean, there's all sorts of cultivation and things that happen um, during the, the season. Another easy way to integrate uh, our treatment into an already existing practice. That way they're not dragging the tractor through the field again, you know. Uh, yeah, I could imagine like if I'm a John Deere type company, right, and you're doing all these uh, seeding, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess cultivating of some sort of, you know, well, seeding, cultivating that kind of stuff. Um, there's got to be a way that you can develop an apparatus that when it's pulling itself across that soil, it's doing its mm -hmm. discharge and then planting the seed and killing the bugs that are, you know, I don't know if that's the prime time to do it. I'm not a, a agricultural specialist, but uh, <laughs> maybe, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> That's our that's our job right now is to uh, figure out what those uh, what the answer to those questions are because we're not sure either. We've right. got a decent idea, but we need to go to these experts, you know, whether the agronomists that work in these industries, these researchers that work in these industries, learn about what their cultural practices are and and do our best to adapt to that so that it is a simple, you know, kind of a no brainer decision to add our technology to what they're doing on a on a regular basis. So that we can, you know, try and eliminate some of that, uh, yeah, the chemical applications that they're having to do to get the the kind of yield that they're uh, striving for. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm thinking, yeah, like a Beck seed or Pioneer seed or Monsanto. I mean, all, I mean, those guys mm -hmm. would probably really be interested in this te technology. 
Mm. We've had a lot of conversations with a lot of uh, mostly the research and development arms of a, of a lot of interesting companies and, yeah. and certainly universities. I mean, the academic world is a huge um, uh, source of interest and mm -hmm. enthusiasm They because yeah. they know better than anybody that the amount of options that are on the horizon are very few. And the tools that they did have that were effective are going away uh, for good reason, because they are harmful to watersheds and to the really it's the the people that are applying the chemistry on a regular basis that are taking it um, the hardest because they get the most exposure. And so when we go to a golf course and we and we roll this out, the guy that typically applies the nematicides is very interested in what we're doing because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to mess with it. He doesn't want to deal with that chemistry. It's yeah. Not good. You have to completely wear PPE. You know, I mean, that gets your attention when when the, the bottle says you have to completely mask up and get a respirator. And yeah, right. it's, good. it's not. Uh, good. I mean, it's I'm thinking, what about like, you know, just typical lawn care companies, guys? You know, they're streeting for grubs all the time. And, you know, you know, yep. Japanese beetles and grubs. I hate those things in my yard and they're all buried in my grass. I mean, yeah. what can you just take that the, the DSDS and go right across and it'll kill them? Yep. Yeah. No, insects with a soil-borne phase are very, very easy. Um, in Europe, we just got back from England and went to a greenskeeper, uh, kind of their their uh, regional uh, um, annual meeting. And for them, because chemistry, you know, has been more restrictive over the last 10 years than in America, they don't have a lot of uh, synthetic options. As a matter of fact, this year, this is it. They're done using synthetic chemistry on turf, uh, sports fields, horse racing tracks, cricket pitches, golf courses, uh, all of it, no synthetic chemistry. And for them, the big one is uh, crane fly larvae. They call them leather jackets. It's a big, big, uh, uh, in that phase in the soil, it's a very large worm. And really it's the, it's the predators of the worm that create the damage. Crows, badgers, they come in and it looks like a bomb has gone off because oh. it's a buffet, right? They just right. eat all these, all these larvae. And uh, that's a, a very, very easy target for us. You know, we're used to working with, you know, fungal pathogens that are microscopic and then nematodes that are are barely visible. Um, so those really small pathogens and pests, you know, that's what our profile is designed for. So anything that's technically like similar physiology, but larger is yeah. just that much easier because we can get more energy across them. And I, I guess there would probably be a balance of some of that needing to use it. I mean, like I do think there might be some need to keep worms alive. Yep. And so is there a risk by treating the soil that the worms would die if you hit them with this, this energy? Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a broader spectrum effect. Um, we're, we're fairly tailored, especially when it comes to the root zone of the plant. Yeah. So we can tailor our profile to where the rhizosphere itself is where the energy profile is above the threshold. So of you can like amp up the amp, the, the, the voltage. So, you know, it's either, it, it penetrates the soil at a certain depth or it's a shallow penetration. Is that correct? Or is that yeah, what's really interesting is if you look electrically, the, the electrical conductivity of fallow soil mm -hmm. and then the electrical conductivity of the rhizosphere of the plant, there's so many nutrients and there's this water layer in the rhizosphere. Mm -hmm. It concentrates our energy profile in that very tiny space. And so you can have a sublethal level of energy outside of that root but the pest you're going for is actually in the root or sometimes in that rhizosphere. And mm -hmm. so the energy profile is concentrated there enough to be effective, where if there's a free living organism that's outside of that, it's fine. Um, oh, and that's okay. part of our selectivity is we we're able to dial that intensity uh, to where we're just trying to get the target um, organism and, and kind of leave the rest of it alone. 
But to your point of earthworms, that's one of the biggest problems they have in Europe because the ecosystem in a, in a sports uh, pitch is so contrived and it's so man-made that there is no balance. Um, and so they just overpopulate to the point where they're a safety hazard and they're an agronomic problem um, for the turf itself. So, sure. you know, you try and help maintain that balance or at least make it so they don't have to use such intensive practices to manage it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, in natural ecosystems too, the other thing is when you put a chemistry down, there's persistence for 30 days, 50 days, 120 days of chemical action happening. Nothing gets a chance to recover until those things degrade um, and are no longer active. We're there and gone. So it's mm -hmm. literally a physical effect. It's instantaneous. And then you're back to the normal ecosystem without any chemistry that's that's latent there or, you know, the constituents parts that it breaks down into that have 300 days of latency, you know, and then eventually end up in the water table. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. we avoid and sidestep all of that. And so the ecosystem has a chance to bounce back a lot more quickly after the treatment than it would otherwise. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much, I mean, there's a lot of benefits from using this versus chemical applications. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. Have you guys done any comparisons on maybe the cost of application, uh, compared to the cost of chemical application on a, on a, on a, a say a golf course green on average or something like that. So when you're making your, your value prop pitch to these guys, you're saying, look, this is what we're charging. This is how much you're paying. If you did this, I mean, is that kind of what the level of uh, marketing and support you're, you know, showing and then the value of the end of the day is the sustainability aspect of it should outweigh the you know at the end of the day a lot of the financial maybe gap between the two sure yeah the the um the goal that we're shooting for is uh basically take one thing out of their budget and and replace it with our uh technology so uh, they they run a fumigant um some a lot of golf, golf courses run a fumigant regime um, for their nematode control. And mm -hmm. we plan on coming in at exactly that price point. Um, and you make an excellent point when it comes to the sustainability aspect of it. Um, when a golf course uses, and again, golf course is where we're starting, how this applies, you know, down the road, we're going to learn. But for this initial market where we're headed in, um, that sustainability aspect, taking the chemistry out of the, uh, out of the environment, um, you know, safer for labor, safer for the players. Right. Um, that that is a that is a PR and marketing aspect that they absolutely need to exploit. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys need of, to. Yeah. You know, and so we you know, we're not shy about, uh, you know, that fact. And uh, right now we're dealing with golf course superintendents and the guys, you know, the, the boots on the ground, if you will. Um, but as we deploy this and as this becomes a little more uh, you know, mainstream, if you will, um, that's going to be a very important aspect of our job is to educate those PR and marketing people to make sure that, you know, they, they're getting more out to their members, uh, their players and the, you know, the stakeholders that are important to them, you know, just how important this technology is um, and let that kind of drive the demand uh, as well, you know, as well as the efficacy. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it, it, it totally seems like um, one of the biggest uh, advancements of potential. I mean, it is an advancement. I'd like to see this expand like, 
you know, mass scale. I'm sure you guys would too, but I mean, I can help? see a lot, yeah, a lot of golf <laughs> courses. A lot of help. <laughs> yeah. And, and sports, uh, you know, sporting events or activities. I mean, even lawn care, I can, yeah, this has got such a big application potential across the uh, many, many, you know, markets. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and to go back to how Jeff started this, this conversation about this pest management, really food, food security, the planet yeah, and going back and reclaiming land that's currently not arable because of these pests you know there's a there's a specific nematode called a potato cyst nematode and their over seasonal uh state is literally a cyst it's a little kind of fingernail covered chunk of eggs it'll sit there for 40 years until you plant the next crop that it wants to to uh wake up and eat yes So, exactly. and, and, and <laughs> even the harshest chemistries that we did have available, like methyl bromide, which is a, just an amazing soil disinfectant, right? It's almost a sterile. Yeah. It's not completely successful in, in managing that pest. Wow. Um, and it, on, in our research paper, that's one of, because our researchers like to challenge us, that was one of the organisms that we treated um, was this cyst nematode. And we had great efficacy on it um, with this technology. So, you know, we can take this and actually go back and take land that's out of production and put it back in production and, and do it in a way that doesn't involve all of the critical infrastructure and storage and transport. You know, we could, it's, a, it's a very um, small footprint box of electronics that can be, again, run off of a solar panel, let it accumulate enough energy to deliver a treatment, and then it just sits there. And you can, you know, square meter by square meter even in, in a very challenging environment use this to reclaim that land and make it arable again you know jumping straight to that isn't the best business model that we can come up with um because there's not a a really generous revenue stream um and that's why you know turf being so high value is why we're starting there but uh, we're firmly um aware of the true implications of this when it comes to food security we've got billions more people we have to feed in the next 50 years right and you know arable land they just they're, they're not making any more of it um so we need to go back and get some of that back. So um, I, I did a, I did an episode a while back with uh, Pete Pearson of the WWF, and he's in charge yeah. of you know food waste and food security and things like that with the WWF. And man, I'll bet you, I'll bet you he might have an idea of uh, some sort of application you know some need for you guys. I, I should connect yeah. you guys up with uh, with Pete to let him learn about your your product here because you know there's so many good benefits for it. This episode is sponsored by Regenesis. Have you noticed that the use of traditional methods to remediate PFAS contamination in groundwater are proving difficult for many who are struggling to manage long-term PFAS exposure? Pump and treat systems using activated carbon filters are expensive and difficult to treat wide areas of PFAS contamination. But now, there's a proven alternative to pump and treat systems that eliminates PFAS risk for decades. Regenesis has developed PlumeStop, an in-situ remediation technology that solves PFAS remediation challenges in groundwater. Applied under low-pressure injection, PlumeStop's colloidal activated carbon quickly and safely addresses PFAS without the expense and maintenance costs incurred with pump and treat systems. To learn more about PlumeStop and the science behind Regenesis proprietary organic polymer dispersion chemistry, go to www.pfostreatment.org. That's www.pfostreatment.org.
Now, is it is one application enough to really kind of solve the problem, or is it something where we got to come back and maybe do repeat treatments a bit, you know, on on occasion? Or how how effective is it in that you know aspect? Well, we've crashed populations entirely, and so the mechanism of reinfestation has to be reintroduction. Okay. Um, which it can come through irrigation water, it can come through on your shoes or on farm implements. You know, so there's a cross contamination sort of reintroduction. Um, but, you know, in most cropping systems, just a level of suppression is sufficient. Um, you know, how hard do we have to hit it to completely collapse the profile? Depends on the organism, depends on the cropping system, depends on, you know, there's a, just a ton of variables in all of ag. Um, but I mean, the potential is there to, to crash populations. We've done it in several field trials where, you know, right now there's a golf course in Florida that was heavily infested to the point that they stopped using the green, they, they mowed the approach and put the pin in there because they were out of chemistry. They were out of the ability to apply any more chemicals to it until the next year. We came in, treated it 30 days later. It was the best green on their golf course. And six months later, it still looks great. And the, the population hasn't really rebounded yet. Um, so we're keeping an eye on that one. Um, but, you know, it, it's almost a case by case or cropping system by cropping system kind of a circumstance. Um, but potentially, yeah, you can knock those populations back that are plant parasitic that are, like we said, not already, you know, completely out of balance naturally. Uh, and, and maybe there's a management level there where they can kind of coexist and co-compete, um, you know, and try and restore a little bit of balance. Um, and this electricity uh, that's being injected, doesn't it doesn't really have a, a detrimental effect to the plants organism. Is that right? One of our biggest challenges is maintaining the difference between, and, and it's referred to as phytotoxicity in the chemical world. So we use the same nomenclature. So we try and manage the phytotoxicity and still um, have our efficacy on the pest. And it's a balance. I mean, we can kill plants. Um, it's one of the things we've tried to avoid uh, in our development, right? You find that the edge between where the plants uh, damaged and the pest is damaged and just stay in that place. Um, and, you know, there's also some some benefits that, uh, that, you know, the plant has from having these pest profiles removed, increased vigor, increased health. Um, so, you know, it kind of cuts both ways. I mean, even if we do a little bit of, of injury, because you can pull, replant, typically you can, re, you know, plant new seed yeah. and grow. Right. And, and, and yeah, then pull that stress or that vigor, yeah. that vigor loss out. It rebounds even faster than it would have right. otherwise. And, and so there's a little bit of room for some injury, but not much. And the plants right. themselves are, are amazingly resilient. I mean, we've we've uh, benchtop trials, the greenhouse trials we did down in Corvallis with our USDA research partner. Um, I mean, we clobbered this tomato plant, <laughs> just clobbered it. And it, you know, and you know, fell over. And a few weeks later, it grew back strong, produced a good crop and it, and it caught back up to its, uh, uh, you know, its, its, its partners, I guess, in the, in, in that um, uh, group of the study. So um, they are pretty, pretty resilient if you don't hit them too hard. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, talk a little bit about, you know, Lisi's uh, patent. I mean, uh, how, what's going on or how does that, have you, have you got it registered with the EPA at this point or is you still in the process or how's that going? Yeah, we're registered with the EPA. We're a, a non-chemical device um, and we are, they've acknowledged us. We have to remain registered with them. We just let them know how many uh, units we have in production or how many we have out in, uh, that are deployed. So they treat us a little bit like the chemical companies in that regard, but otherwise we've got free reign. Uh, the patent was an interesting process, um, having never done anything like that before. It was a pretty steep learning curve, as you would imagine. Yeah, but, uh, right, uh, that right. was granted back in 2018. 
Um, and that was built around everything that we were learning from, you know, that first experiment in 2012 and on through to, um, uh, through to our filing. Uh, it's issued in the United States. We're currently um, uh, working with Canada to get it issued there. Um, we've got continuations on that patent. Uh, uh, and then uh, we filed a second provisional application uh, middle of last year for the application device uh, that we're deploying now in turf. Um, we've got loads of others that are just kind of sitting there waiting for the research to get done. So we've got, you know, you know, excellent uh, bracketing, if you will, of the of the technology and the inventiveness. Um, but it just takes time, and it's um, long, painful, expensive, <laughs> and not what either one of us want to be doing. Yeah, but, you want to be out in the field testing and, the, and, and yeah, building the these things. Experts, you know, you can't yeah. train somebody up to to get that done. I mean, it's, yeah. it's up to us to do it. But you know, we understand how important it is from a corporate standpoint. Uh, it isn't our favorite thing to do. In fact, we loathe it. But um, we're we're doing our best to kind of check you can, that you box. can hire a, probably a lawyer to help you do that. He, We've yeah. got one, yeah. Got okay, one. yeah, I was gonna say twenty dollars an hour. You know, you burn through your your yeah. Your gets a lot that's true. You got to be careful. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's, well, it is it's something that we're doing. You know, just kind of because we have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you absolutely should because. You know, you want to be the guys first on the market, you know, uh, and, and covering this. This is this is great. Well, what's been the client's response? I'm kind of curious to see, like, you know, what have they said about the the treatments and 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 give some stories there so the listeners can understand, like, what's going on there. Man, where do you start? Boy. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and then maybe I'll, maybe like tell, share a little bit like where you've actually done some of this like cool work that is very impressive and in good spots, neat spots. So we've, um, we've spent a lot of time, um, on the Monterey Peninsula. Those, those folks at that famous golf course there are a huge uh, supporter of ours. And we've been down there doing research for years. Um, so the, the, the superintendents down there just can't wait for us to come back. And they've actually pulled us out onto their playing greens and some of the most iconic greens in golf because they have a, a pest pressure that they need addressed. And, uh, they're just like, get out here. We don't care. We need this. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, we're on um, one of the Peninsula Country Club greens overlooking the ocean with the iconic tree in the background. And all I'm thinking is, God, please don't let me kill this green. <laughs> don't let me kill this green. This is going to be really bad. Um, because it's, we had just rolled it out of San Diego. Like this was the first large scale deployment. Right. And we made some wonderfully green stripes in his green where... Uh, he's like, okay, great. Thanks, you guys. Now, when do you come back and do the rest? Yeah, yeah. You've made a clean spot. <laughs> now what? Yeah, yeah. The uh, rest we'll, of my greens look bad. So, you yeah, made this yeah, look yeah. Good, well, right? even on that green, all he wanted us to do was spot treat a couple of spots where this right. particular pest was completely out of control and not responding to the chemistry. Um, and yeah, we fixed it, but then made the rest of the green look not that great. So, uh, <laughs> he was, he was uh, uh, suitably stoked and also a little disappointed. Yeah. Um, um, and then um, I, know, I think Bandon Dunes is another uh, golf course on the Oregon coast that asked us to come out and they'd taken a green completely out of play. Fortunately, they had two for that particular hole um, and they're, they're at the end of their chemistry. Like they can't apply anymore. They're completely at the label limit. We came in, blasted through that thing in um, a day, delivered a really solid treatment. And that's another one of those greens that still looks great. And uh, we, 
we asked the superintendent there um, a month ago, yeah. uh, hey, how's it look? look? He's like, no nematode pressure. Green looks great. Still in play. Yeah. Um, you know, look forward to having you guys back. Yeah. Like, they're, That's so they great see results. the evidence firsthand mm -hmm. and just can't wait to have us. And, and really, the, one of our biggest challenges, and it's a good problem to have, is managing those customer expectations as we roll out because we only can meet a certain amount of demand right now. You don't want to create too much hype in the marketplace and then not be able to fill the demand. Um, and so, you know, we're very selective on our rollout, but it'll build momentum and it'll come. Um, and the, the enthusiasm we get from the food crop um, ag sector is more even than these guys in turf because they really know the implications of it and they're, they're super excited. Um, small berry fruits, especially strawberries, raspberries, huge inputs, uh, you know, eight, 10, $12,000 an acre in mitigants that are put on that crop um, to manage the soil pest profile. When and do you apply for like the strawberries? I have a crop of strawberries in my backyard. I've got a nice little, you know, four, uh, four by 10, you know, raised bed, nice. just chock full of strawberries. Mm -hmm. But when would you apply that technology to the strawberries before you plant them or after? Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about and Indiana is a little bit different than like the central coast of California is where most of the like Driscoll and these huge strawberry companies have all yeah. their acreage. The issue there is fungal pathogens, uh, verticillium, uh, Phytophthora, uh, Fusarium. And these are all stored or their bank is in the soil. Mm -hmm. um, and so eventually, as the fruit develops, the fungal pathogen gets up there and then you end up with different types of what looks like mold or downy mildew or things like that. And so most people at that point are, are putting a foliar application of uh, fungicide mm -hmm. on the fruit just to protect it, to get it out through harvest. Um, we just received results from a, a trial that we did with Fusarium that was in the soil and we treated these inoculated bits in the soil and we're able to control it in the soil, which the research we were working with is like, there is no chemistry that will do that. Um, methyl bromide used to do it because it's a disinfectant. They haven't been able to use that for years and the, it's really impacting that industry. Um, <clears throat> and we can treat it at its source and not have to do a foliar application of a fungicide, which now you've got food product that's got chemistry. Yeah, you don't want that. Implications there that aren't great. Um, but, you know, really going to the source of, of where the pathogen is resident and treating it there, um, that's the solution. They know that it's coming. We're just doing the work. Uh, we should we should be doing strawberry trials out in the field, you know, later this year, early next year at the at the latest, um, because, again, it's the demand like they have to have. it. It's a huge industry. It's billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And um, and they're really up against it. So, I mean, I think if you talk about enthusiastic kind of adopters, those people that are really staring down the problem um, and, and know that it's just a, it's a slow motion disaster for their industry they're the ones that are the most excited and uh you know and that's where we're going next in in food is going to be small berry fruits for sure because the need is there wow no that that's really exciting so so it sounds like you know between the golf course community and um you know maybe some other sporting sporting uh, uh you know uh organizations i don't know soccer whatever i don't know what other pitches you're or yeah you're you're applying this technology to so you know in the sporting community that sounds great and now this agricultural community is is going to be a big i think you got the residential lawn care community you can look at too it sounds like a big one to me <laughs> the, 
we were at the uh, the golf course uh, superintendent show down in San Diego this this winter. Basically, it was uh, beginning of February, and there was one fellow there who's down in Texas, I think. And then that was his gig, right? He was a you know lawn care guy, and and yeah, he was he chatted with us for quite a while. Uh, and I think he was he was um, how soon can I get one of these? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. He, and he wanted an right. answer, and he was he wasn't leaving until he got one. But, you know, we, we You're like, well, one. how much do you want to invest? I get you. Yeah. What's this going to cost? And when can I have it? Way so, way more zeros than you want to write yeah, on checks. Yeah. We're, we're currently sitting on two. So yeah. <laughs> going to be a bit of a wait but you know for sure sean it's the enthusiasm you know is is the thing that really kind of keeps us going it's it's fun to talk to the um you know these guys that are just right in the middle of it and right. you know we tell them what we're doing and you know when we first started out and we're telling them and they don't believe us right you know they kind of look at us a little skeptical and then we start talking about the science we start talking about the things that we learned in the field and we start talking to them the way that they talk about their industry right and so we build the relationship like that you know we we speak to them in their language we show them the data that we've generated and we're not woo you know there's a ton of woo especially in golf where you've got tees and you know all these things that they'll they'll roll out to these golf course superintendents at these trade shows and things like that and they'll buy into it you know they'll spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars to have this stuff applied to their golf courses mm -hmm. and none of it works literally yeah. none of it works right so when right. we come to them with the data, here you go. We've got a published review, you know, peer reviewed publication on the website. Go take a look at it. And then the phone starts ringing. It's like, how soon can you guys, guys get out? I mean, that's how we got Band and Dunes, mm -hmm. you know, knocking on our door, you know, come out and give it a try. Well, you know, this and that, we don't care. Come out and give it a shot, you know, because we, we need something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're like, they're, they're like, hey, you're my last resort now. Obi-Wan Kenobi, come help me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the next step is renovation. So they basically strip the turf up, uh, treat the soil or haul in new soil and redo the entire green. And that's, you know, that's tens that's of thousands. Ex of that's really expensive. Amazing. No, yeah. that's expensive too. Did you know E-Tank is the only environmental rental equipment company in the industry that offers a 100% certified clean guarantee at no additional cost? Well, this gives customers the peace of mind knowing that container contents from the previous renter isn't going to cross-contaminate the contents of the current customer and potentially cause liability concerns. You know, E-Tank also provides a one-of-a-kind complete maintenance program for all its rental items, including liquid-tight roll-off containers, fluid transfer pumps, and filtration system components. To learn more about the types of containers and pumps E-Tank supplies, check out their website at www.etank.net. So the next time you are faced with an environmentally challenging project, give E-Tank a call to help solve your problem. It's just that easy. Just looking at this from the technology perspective, it's really cool. Uh, it, it, and then I think overall, the sustainability approach to this, I mean, the sustainability benefits of this is just huge when you yeah. think about it. And, and I think that uh, anybody who sees this technology and doesn't take into account that part of the benefit of, of purchasing your product or your service basically to do is... I don't understand. I mean, it's like a no brainer in my, in my mind, I'm looking at this going, wow. Um, well, how can you guys, you know, 
what's the plan to scale this technology in the market? I mean, what, what, what do you got? I mean, I know you're doing these trials and you're, you're building the, you know, the experience uh, summaries and stuff, but I mean, uh, any, anything more than that that you guys are looking for to scale this thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're at revenue uh, in May, so we're delivering it as a fee for service through a channel partner. We've got a local distributor in South Florida and, uh, you know, he does this sort of work with these golf courses already. Mm-hmm. We'll just be another arrow in his quiver Gotcha. to, to help them manage these issues. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's going to scale and revenue, start generating some positive cash flow while we build more units, while we deploy into other areas that still have turf needs. So, you know, kind of staying in that industry. But then, I mean, uh, uh, next week we're doing a research trial in a hop field. Um, you know, it's in our neighborhood and 90% of the hops in the United States are grown just down the road from us. And uh, those guys have a huge need. And so, you know, as a, a path to revenue, that's our next spot because it's in our backyard. What they're sure. asking us to treat is actually pretty simple. Uh, we've got a researcher from uh, Oregon State that's that's you know kind of spearheading this effort, but I mean that's our next opportunity for revenue, and you just keep doing that. You keep building units, you keep scaling up your cash flow. Um, obviously, we're looking for a, a next round of funding because this is how all entrepreneurial companies are. Um, so once we're at revenue, we've got some really good business models going. Then we go out and get a bigger raise, scale it even more. Mm-hmm. You know, the engineering for the electronics never stops. So we we had to stop at some point and then start making multiples of these. And, yeah. you know, it's based on five year old designs and engineering uh, that we're currently putting out. So, yeah, that's yeah. continuing on. It's going to be smaller, more powerful, more energy efficient. Like we've already got the next two iterations, at least on paper. How about any handheld devices? You can do some spot Uh, treatment. Yeah. I mean, you can do that. Uh, You know, um, be very careful with what you're doing, but you can do that. It still requires the energy storage box and the actual generator, but yeah, very easily into a hand deployable spot treatment device. Um, And, and as we said, as, as the, the, the semiconductor technology that this is based on didn't even exist three years ago. Um, It's, it's really an offshoot of um, electrical transportation um, so, so these switches that we use, um, are really designed to be in traction motors for trains, um, dump trucks, buses, you know, that level of energy control. Um, and so we've just co-opted this semiconductor technology. It's been developed for other aspects of, you know, yeah. the electrification right. of our transportation. And that is continuing on. Um, we, uh, the switches that we used for the, the, previous version um we imported them from the manufacturer in germany they were the first two that got into the united states this was six years ago eight eight years ago so it's pretty early um the first two that entered into the united states we had to go see department of homeland security because they're those kind of devices they're like what are these things well yeah. they know they what know what they're good for? For. that's why <laughs> they wanted to talk to us why are you only, why do you only have two sign this so we know um, where you are so we, we got the first two that, that, that this huge multinational imported into the United States um, by working through their engineering development team. Two years later, they were obsolete yeah. and replaced okay. already with a new device. Um, so wow. that technology moves at just light speed. Sounds it like really the rapid. iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, very rapid deployment. Um, and, uh, and because again, the need is there for the electrification of our transportation. The renewable energy sector uses these things in mass quantities. 
And so we just piggybacked along uh, for the ride, basically, and let them drive our technology. We just got to figure out how to do the application. And the same thing with the batteries. Um, Our battery pack is uh, this latest iteration. We lost 30% of the weight, about 20% of the volume, and increased our capacity uh, for the same dollar. Per, Man, per watt hour. Have you, you thought about buying, you know, buying a one of those Tesla battery packs? Yeah, we looked at that. Uh, they're kind of <laughs> large and ungainly. Uh, um, I mean, we could manage it, but what we've got is is much easier to work with. It's much more modular. Gotcha. Um, and we've got a really similar energy density. Um, it's surprising how much uh, is really out there. We've got a wonderful battery supplier that we work with that works directly with the manufacturer, and uh, they've cool. been super supportive. Man, this is, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I want to see this thing in action. I want to, I want to see some like before and after results. I know on your website, you got a few of those showing, Mm -hmm. but I can only imagine, you know, over the next, you know, year or so, the more case studies from a before and after PowerPoint presentation is going to, you know, surface somewhere and we're going to be able to like do a slideshow and show that. And so that'll be like the proofs in the pudding, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and we're we're actually headed through uh, the Midwest. Uh, not when next you coming? Week, following week, uh, at the yeah. end of the following week, we hope to you know at least be uh, somewhere cozy in a hotel in Indianapolis, uh, or maybe a little further east. Oh uh, well, uh, when you Thursday call, when you come, let me know, uh, yeah, we'll guys. I want I want to connect up and and meet yeah. up because I I know I know that Jeff, you know, you've got those uh, IRL cart routes, so you know there, you've got some reason to come back to the five hundred, yeah, you know, sometime in May. So yeah, yeah, you know. I've, I've actually already booked myself out, so I can't be tempted to go back. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's it's domestic tranquility at this point. I can't do too much other stuff because this is taking all the time. I understand completely. But, uh, no, understand. We'll, we'll get back and and um, yeah, kind of touch base with the you know the home crowd there because you know it's been a little while at least for me since. Yeah. I- yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, love to connect up when you guys get back in this uh, neck of the woods. I'm yeah, I'm absolutely. over here in the west side of Indy, so um, yeah. Perfect, perfect. Happy yeah, we'll let you know when we're coming through and where we'll be. It may be closer to Columbus. We've got um, um, some feelers out for where we might be able to um, uh, apply our treatment and uh, kind of demonstrate what we're doing. But we'll make sure we're you're in the loop. And you uh, need to go to Brickyard Crossings. Uh, that's a good, that's a good idea. <laughs> Come on. I used to know the guy that ran the place, but you know, people yeah. move on, right? So let's get there. You know, go to Purdue. They've got the, the Pete Dye courses up there. I mean, they do mm-hmm. turf technology uh, education at Purdue. Man, that'd be another great, you know, uh, hotbed of uh, case study support over there. Yeah, for sure. What's interesting is in, in those, uh, you know, climates where they have four actual seasons, um, that's a natural suppressant. For a lot of these pests that we're that we're treating, this is why South Florida and the West Coast of the United States is such a train wreck when it comes to these pest profiles because there isn't any kind of cyclic suppression seasonally uh-huh. to control these populations, and so they just keep growing year after year after season after season, and eventually it becomes um, you know detrimental to the crop to the point you can't grow it, and and that's where they get you know really extreme with cultural practices and and the extreme application of the chemistry. Yeah, you're, right. You're standing on the Monterey Peninsula, you're looking out at that beautiful ecosystem and and the amazing things around that Monterey coastline. And these guys are are having to to manage these soil pests with a lot of pretty harsh chemicals and and it's their home too, right? They get it. They don't want to they don't do want to overchemicalize, yeah, overapply and Yeah, and it's a real I mean it's a real uh personal uh concern for them and uh you know, fortunately in the Midwest uh, that's not really that big of a concern for turf 
Um, they do have we, insects. We have insects in past, yeah. though. Let it's me the, tell it's you. the grubs and things like that that are really a, a difficult uh, pest to manage. And, you know, you don't want to put a lot of harsh chemistries on sports fields where kids' faces are being rubbed into it. You know, Another you just, reason why, you know, this is a great alternative to uh, chemical treatment. So, I mean, just, yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm, this has got lots of potential guys. I mean, let's let, I'll do what I can to hype it up on my end, but uh, you know, let's stay that. connected. And yeah. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show today and, and letting listeners know a little bit more about Lisi global yeah. and your, you know, direct energy system technology and what the application can do to, or what this device can do for, you know, agriculture and uh, you know, also uh, you know, turf uh, you know, applications. I think it's a, um, Controlling the, these pests in the soil can really be a great thing for uh, the environment. Um, and uh, man, it's such a sustainable uh, option. I, I really love it. So global food security. That's where we're headed, Sean. Global food that's, security. That's, that's the that's thing awesome. we will never lose sight of. Now, we're running around on golf turf right now. But, but we're, it's we're going to get more. Yeah, the global food. I mean, I just can't believe there's not you're not getting a, a lot of interest from some of the big ag companies thinking, let's do something uh, with you guys. We're, we're way under the radar as far as and, and, and way too soon as far as those guys are concerned. If they you know what they do know about us, you know, they're 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 waiting for us to get a little a little further along, I imagine. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. And we're we're keeping them in the loop. Uh, yeah. we're making sure we're making sure to make enough noise that they know we're here. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've got a long way to go in, in you know, in terms of scale. Um, but as that, as that goes and the more noise we make in, in turf, more and more will be paying attention. So yeah, it, it's coming, it's coming. We're feeling pretty good about it. We're just, we're just getting started. Well, this is great guys. Good to, good to have the call today. Get it, get it, touch me when you come into town and looking forward to Absolutely. meet up with you guys. Absolutely. And maybe try some hops and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, sure. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll treat those while you're out here. <laughs> you got it. Absolutely. All right, guys, have a good night hey. and uh, we'll yeah. talk to you soon. I'll get this out yeah. soon. All right. All right. Thanks. Sean. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. bye. I want to thank our guests, Jason and Jeffrey, for coming onto the show today. If you want to learn more about Lisi Global and the services they offer, check out their website at www.leaseglobal.com. And we'll also put a link to their contact information on my website. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast networks, or better yet, from my website at www.seankgrady.com. Well, you can also follow me on Instagram or the Environmental Transformation Podcast Facebook page. If you're looking to obtain CEUs or certification maintenance points, go to my website and check out our training page. For just $10, you can watch a video or one of our episodes, take a quiz, and receive a certificate of listening that is for one CEU or CMP. It doesn't get any easier than this, and you get to choose the topics. So what are you waiting for? Jump on the website and take a look. If you enjoyed the podcast episode, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. We'd also love to hear feedback from the ET Nation. So please leave a review and check, in, check me out on my website. So well, thanks for listening. Until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.